So welcome back to Sexpert Talks. This is healing and empowerment from pleasure, sexuality, love, and relationships. My name is Kimberly Phoenix, and I am so excited to be here today and introduce you to Bee River. Bee, thank you so much for joining us. It's my absolute, absolute pleasure. I'm so excited to be here also. Yeah. Wonderful. So B is a sex, love, and relationship coach, and she coaches men, women, and non-binary individuals. She's passionate about everything from trauma to tantra to taboo, and she's a tireless advocate for pleasure-based authentic living. And we've had a fantastic conversation leading up to this interview, so I can't wait to jump right in. And today, yeah. B is going to talk to us about the sacredness of taboo, two words that we don't often connect together. So I would love for you just to start by talking a little bit about taboo and how, how that can come into play, especially in the context of sexuality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so you're right. I mean, sacredness and taboo are two concepts that don't really get put together very often. And in fact, uh, taboo is exactly that. It's very sacred. I see it as a point of missed treasure. Uh, you know, taboo to me is uh, anything that somebody has for whatever reason because of their upbringing or their conditioning or their religion or their culture has been uh, shamed into or about and it's had to be put into the shadow for them so there's a lot of wounding around around that for them so from my perspective taboo or our greatest wounding and shadow and whatever it is that we're ashamed about and repressing it's the source of our greatest healing our greatest transformation and usually a source of our biggest power we just if we're not aware of it we probably just don't realize it yet and to answer your question about what that can look like, I mean, taboo can be anything from somebody being extremely sensitive, like incredibly emotional and crying at the drop of a hat, especially if they happen to be a masculine identifying human uh, or a man. Uh, it could be somebody being queer. It could be, because um, that might be shame for that person comes from. It could be somebody being incredibly sexual and really liberal with their sexuality and having really spontaneous um, spontaneous and like uh, endless desire or like a desire that can't be satiated. Um, could be people who are wired for non-mainstream relationships or people who prefer to have relationships that don't fit into the, the default narrative, whether that's not monogamy or swinging or um, polyamory. Uh, I mean, yeah, and, and it could be, of course, kink or BDSM relationships. They're considered really taboo. Or people just having a specific kink that they have a lot of shame about, like um, an otherwise heterosexual man who might be into like anal sex or getting pegged, um, or um, a woman feeling comfortable being dominant and being um, a sadist, which otherwise society might frown upon. Um, or, you know, somebody like licking somebody's boot. <laughs> I don't know. Like there's just such so many things out there that um, that that because of somebody's conditioning, 
the automatic reaction that somebody might get to hearing about it is, ew, yuck, that's not okay, that's wrong. Um, and that person might already have a lot of shame and wounding around whatever it is. Like, did you just start crying in front of me and you're a guy or, you know, whatever it is. And um, so, yeah, that's that point of ouch and that source of like heartbreak or shame is such a treasure. If the person who has it knows what to do with it and knows that it's like this gemstone waiting to be turned into their greatest source of healing and freedom and, and um, pleasure or alchemy. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that so much. And I got, um, Oh, I have the chills talking about it again. So when you first mentioned that, you know, our taboo or our shadow, you know, those tender kind of parts that we shame are our greatest treasure. I got these full body, you know, like chill bumps and it mm. happened, you know, just, just again there. And that's so beautiful because everything that you mentioned, you know, you really highlighted the di diversity and how, how personalized taboo is everybody yeah. you know what's taboo for them is so so unique to them and who they are and it's also something that's innate it's a preference or our sexuality or a characteristic um and so to feel shame over these small innate parts of us and then to know that it's possible that that shaming can turn into empowerment is Oh, that it's such an incredible thing to hear. And I noticed that you said, if you know how to do it. So I, I would love to hear more about how, how to turn this, um, this taboo, these tender taboo parts that we've shamed, um, how, to, how to actually embody them as treasure and how to see these as parts of, of ourselves. It's our power. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's, it's such a beautiful journey. And I think the first place or point for anybody is actually becoming aware and admitting what those points of taboo might be for them. You know, it could be somebody's rage. It could be somebody's kink. It could be somebody's, um, you know, sexual or relationship orientation. So the awareness that that's there for them is the first point, point that I would um, direct people to. Uh, and in terms of working with it, there's probably like three levels that I would describe. The first one, which is like the starting point after admitting it and being aware of it, the beginner level would be the permission. Giving yourself permission to accept this part of you or giving somebody else permission that this is a part of themselves and creating a sense of safety that that part of themselves is okay. Creating a sense of acceptance and unconditional love towards that part of themselves that it belongs in their ecosystem and it actually makes them more of a whole person as opposed to a less than or um, something, you know, to be ashamed of over that they need to hide away. And to experience that part of themselves enough times with those um, bombs or selves, if you want, of like safety and permission and acceptance, that they believe that they can survive them. It's okay for me to be like this. I can survive this and still be safe and still be loved and still belong. So somebody can do that through a variety of different um, 
mind-body practices. They can use breath work. They can use somatic practices within themselves. And within a couple, like if they were working with a partner, whether that's just like a, a really important person in their life who could hold space for them in this way, or a coach, or a partner who's a romantic partner, they could have practices like intentional dialogue, or they could play with um, fears, love, and desires, which is another um, communication practice, and it could be specifically honed around that point of taboo. Yeah, so that would be the first level. Yeah, and the second level, um, did you want to say something, or did you want me to Yeah, I have some questions yeah. about the first level, actually, because yeah, please. I, I could feel even listening that just that first level is is huge. It feels like a, a very huge body of work because if we felt shame over something to give it that permission and safety to have it, that's that's a really big powerful step in itself. And and I'm wondering if someone's listening to you right now and they're thinking if the idea of being seen in their taboo or sharing, you know, sharing their own taboo with a partner is absolutely terrifying. Um, what would you say to them? Like, would you recommend, would you recommend that this is something to do as a solo process first or, or with a partner or what, what would you say to somebody that feel, feels a bit nervous even listening to these words? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. I definitely think that if anything feels that big and that scary, that it's something that we need to create a foundation of within ourselves first, that we need to find a way to wholeheartedly accept and love that aspect of ourselves first so that no matter what happens and however somebody else might react to it, we're going to be okay. Because if the worst case scenario does happen and your friend or your parents, you know, depending on if it's somebody coming out, you know, your parents or your partner are going to reject that and you don't have a foundation of I'm going to be okay no matter what and I haven't created enough safety or love or acceptance, then that's, that's going to rock the boat and be even harder to get through and get over. So when possible, if possible working with the self and if that's not enough to work with the self on your own then getting somebody like a coach to hold you through that depending on yeah what the taboo is so mm. that you have practices that are cultivated to create more resilience in your nervous system to have more safety if, if that's the thing that's missing or to have more belonging i belong no matter what within me i'm going to be okay no matter what even if the people who i care about the most might reject this part of me yeah so definitely mm, mm -hmm. thank you yeah thank you for that that clarification because it it did ring so true I, I was listening to you and thinking especially if we do feel shame and fear because we have faced the rejection of that from other people mm -hmm. it makes yeah. so much sense what you're saying that if we know that we can hold hold this piece of us and treasure this piece of us and like you said, have that unconditional love, then what the other things that are happening, we know that we can get through that if it happens. It's not worst case scenario or, or it's not an emergency anymore. It's like, well, if that happens, then I'm, I'm still okay with me. And I was also thinking when you said 
you know, you mentioned having a coach, you know, someone to help you to build that foundation in yourself. That's beautiful as well, because that's a relationship, you know, between the coach and the client and being seen and held in your taboo, you know, by the coach, there's healing that takes place in that relationship as well before taking it to, you know, to a romantic relationship or, you know, with a relationship, if you're just sharing parts of you, like you said, coming out or, or just being more authentic about your relationship style or, or what's happening or what your desires are being more open about your authentic self. Um, it gives you, it gives you that, that practice. And, um, I can, I can be held in this and other people can see this and I can receive acceptance. Yeah, I can receive acceptance and I'm praised for my bravery for coming out with this and for working through this and for facing these parts of me and wanting to bring them in and make them make myself whole and make them okay. And um, hearing you reflect that another point or another place that somebody can go with this is a community around it, depending on what the taboo is. I mean, the same way that, um, alcoholics have AA and narcotics that people who are addicted to drugs have like narcotics anonymous. If it's a kink, then this person could get involved in the BDSM community or if it's around LGBTQ, this person could uh, find communities and groups that they could join in which that part of themselves does get held and embraced and loved exactly as it is. Um, Yeah. So that's another point. Yeah. Yeah, there's the chill bumps again. I, absolutely, <laughs> it's suddenly this isn't my secret shame that I need to go and hide from. It's like now it's a connection point, and I'm shared and honored in it, and it's bringing more people into my life. And um, oh, that's that's such a a beautiful a beautiful idea and reminder. You know, the the healing mm. in community. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah. So level one was bringing this, um, the sense of permission and safety and the unconditional love and acceptance, which mm-hmm. sounds amazing in itself already. So what, what is yeah. the next level? Where, um, where do we go from here? Yeah. So the next level, I mean, some parts of the next level can actually be worked into the first, depending on the person and depending on the taboo. But the next level is adding pleasure, mm-hmm. adding sweetness adding play, adding um, dancing, adding elements that bring in yumminess as a way to, and lightness as a way to alchemize or merge that shadow and that taboo with our nervous system as it is. And again, this can be done through solo practices. Uh, It can be done with a coach or it can be done with a partner, a really good friend or somebody you're in partnership with. Mm. Yeah. So what, what are some of the ways that that might look like taking the taboo and merging it with pleasure or merging it with play? How do you often see this either with clients or, you know, in your, in your own experience? Yeah. So one of the ways that I would invite clients to do it, or I do it in my own self practice is if I was feeling an emotion that I was uncomfortable with, or if I was um, thinking about a part of me that has this particular kink or just something that's a source of wounding and shame, like abandonment or 
the, the sorts of BDSM dynamics that I'm into and if I'm feeling negative feelings about that. So I would allow that to be there. I would give it the love and acceptance. I would give it the um, unconditional welcoming that it deserves. And I would bring in ways to pleasure my body, whether that's like soothing my skin or telling myself that it's okay or like stroking my hair. Uh, playing like really really beautiful music so that I'm feeling the pleasure and then feeling the discomfort so I can go back and forth between one of them that's a practice that you can do or it can be more specific like you have one in each hand then you allow each uh, part to get turned up as loud as possible and then you can slowly bring them together and combine them and it sounds really woo but the lived experience of doing that and guiding people through it it's pretty powerful it's really 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 transformative um and the other way to do it and you can do this with yourself or with a partner is to treat that part of you like a sweet child and just be like it's okay it's okay for this part of you to be like this and bring a lot of um like flirtation or sweetness or love around it. So you can do this for yourself or you can do this in partnership with somebody. So um, you can create practices with a partner where you've told them beforehand, these are the things that are taboo for me that I have uncertainties around that I'm not sure how to navigate. And these are the things that might help. So let's explore and try. So it could be that let's say a femme identifying person has issues around being accepted around her anger. And, you know, she's spoken to her partner about how she wants that to be addressed. So it could be that he's like, Oh, you're so, or she, depending on the relevant and partner is whether they're man or woman or non-binary. Uh, oh, you're so hot when you get angry. Give me more. Yeah. Show me, show me what happens. Can you turn that up a little bit? You know, like, so it's bringing that sense of like, that's really sexy. It's really pleasurable. I want more. And you're playing with it, you know, or it could be that a person doesn't want words, but you would engage with it in a physical way where they would like to be tickled uh, or um, swept off their feet, literally. So it's like a physical scooping up, or it could be that they need to have a pillow fight to like get those feelings out, you know? Um, and again, actually, that brings me back to um, practices that people can do on their own. So there are specific cathartic practices that can be done for emotions, depending on what the emotion is, in which you can cathartically express the feeling like punching a pillow or screaming into the pillow or crying to a really beautiful piece of music, and then go back to pleasure and go back to play. And you can go back and forth until that process feels complete. So yeah, those are some of the ways that you can um, treat that taboo or that part of you that's not accepted with love and with play and with flirtation and um, yeah. yeah a level of coaxing almost like wanting it to come out and play and wanting it to take up center stage where it usually is not allowed to be yeah I and I could feel that shift even when you started started describing you know talking about anger or I know that what we had talked, you know, in our, in our prior conversation about the brat and brattiness and how that's so shamed, um, especially as women, you know, it's like, oh, I can't be like that. And when it's suddenly met with, oh, hey, 
you know, come here. What, what, what do you need? I could even feel my energy yeah. shift. And it was that lightness, that, that playfulness. And I noticed when you talk about the partner pieces, especially that this sounds like something that you would want a lot of prior communication about. It's not something that just, Oh, in the moment it's going to automatically happen. Like it, it would, it would need to be prior communication and in a container. So could you talk just a little bit about, um, about like the safe partner work and communication and any recommendations, you know, that, that you have around that? Yeah, for sure. So I think it really depends on what people want out of the relationship they're in and what they're intention is for being together and the consciousness that they already have or don't have around how they deal with conflict, how they deal with their um, awkward safety shame pieces, how they deal with um, polarity, if they have any what's called relationship polarity and their dynamic, if there's somebody who prefers to be um, the point of direction, the person Who's, you know, if they know what goals are, the person who's holding um, space and time and structure and the person who prefers to be in the uh, element of flow and surrender and, and chaos. And those, again, are irrelevant of gender. They're irrelevant of, of, of sexual orientation and they can flow back and forth. But whether they've had a conversation about that or not, it kind of shows you how far back you might need to go to figure out what each person might want or prefer but even if they didn't talk about that stuff i guess i guess it would be setting a time an intention to talk about whatever it is that you're wanting to work through this point of shadow or shame and creating a really uh sacred safe space around it especially if you're feeling really vulnerable and just being like hey i was wondering if you had the time to talk about something that's really important to me and just saying maybe giving a time frame like it'll be about five or ten or fifteen minutes long when would be good for you sometime within the next 24 hours you know so that could be a way that you could broach the subject and say look this is what's been going on for me i have a lot of shadow and shame around this and i've been thinking about some of the ways that we could work through it because i've noticed for instance that it's been affecting our relationship like this and you know that time last week when you said this thing and I reacted like that, it was because I felt too ashamed to actually say what I really thought or felt, you know, whatever it is. And how would you feel about us working through this in intentional ways from now on? And these are my suggestions around it. And these are what I, this is what I need. I need safety around it. Or I need to know that even if I have a tantrum or even if I melt down that you still think I'm smart or that you won't leave me or that that's okay. You know, so it's about a level of sharing what our fears are and what we want and how we want to achieve what we want. Yeah. So you could have it in a free flow form like that, or you could use the practice of the fears, love, desires that we brought up mm -hmm. around the specific point of shadow or taboo. And, you know, I mean, I've used the example of um, femmes a lot, but somebody who's mask might have more of an issue around showing their sadness. 
Like, I'm just, I'm so worried, baby, that if you see me cry, you're going to think I'm weak. You know, you're not going to want to have sex with me. Or um, I just, I just, you won't trust me anymore. Like, you won't feel like you can depend on me. And I can't show you that side because that will make me a sissy or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, it's about having that conversation and then deciding, okay, well, the next time this happens, what do you need to hear? What should we explore? What should we play with? And what are the words that we need to have in place when I do not want to try that thing, when this is not appropriate, you know, what's a safe word that we can be like, nope, time out. This is, this is not okay right now, or I don't want to do that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I I guess like it, I can feel just so much safety in that. Like, as you shared, there's needs and vulnerabilities, but then it's also, and this is what you can do, or this is what I need to hear instead of just, I'm feeling this way. And yeah, like I, as the sharer have actually thought about what would help and then I can ask for it. And it it feels like a win-win because then the partner or partners know how to, how to provide you with what, what you're asking for. And I also love that the safe word for when, no, you know, I, I don't, I don't want any of, of that. Yeah. And that leads me a bit into my next question because you did mention, you know, BDSM. And so obviously I can see where that connects with taboo, but can you talk some about um, BDSM and kink as a container for, um, the sacredness or exploring and, and alchemizing this into, you know, alchemizing shame and taboo into our, our power. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, how do I put this? So for people who are into kink, the use of kink and BDSM might be one of the perfect, most perfect ways to take something that you feel a lot of shame or wounding around and put it into a sense of a role play, put it into a scenario, or it could actually be a dynamic and a role which is really, really healing for you. And it could be that you actually want additional humiliation and discipline and restraint and um, degradation around it. And that might be how somebody alchemizes whatever is going on for them and it actually makes them feel better in a sense of relief. Or it could be that they need it to be loved and praised and appreciated and be a source of turn on. So for instance, um, I mean, myself, I'm a really, really sensitive, very, very emotional person. So if somebody, um, so somebody like myself who cries at the drop of a hat, whether she's really happy or sad, if I was to find a partner who is dacrophilic, dacrophilia is a fetishization of tears, who is dacrophilic, then that would be like the perfect gift for me because anytime I cry, I would be like, oh my goodness, come here, you know? So, I mean, that's one of the ways. Um, another example I could use is, um, you know, because another source of like deep, deep wounding for me, um, I personally have a complex history of, um, trauma and a lot of that is like developmental trauma so I'm really aware of my attachment wounds and what they are and so I'm a switch when it comes to BDSM dynamics and what that means is I love and um, relate to being in the dominant roles as well as the submissive roles right but 
the biggest points of healing and transformation for me are when I am in submissive roles with somebody I love and trust, because that allows me to surrender, to be all of who I am, to be as emotional and chaotic as I need to be, which I wasn't allowed to be as a child. I had to be perfect. I had to be a good girl. I had to be a good role model and everything was about rules. So to have somebody hold that container and allow me to just let go or be a brat and melt down and be a mess. It's just been one of the most healing things that I have done over the years, especially the more work I did on myself, the more that part of me was realized. Like maybe 10 years ago, I knew that I was a switch and I knew I was submissive, but I didn't make the link or the connection that my inner child was my biggest source of wounding and not being allowed to be a brat, which to me is a sacred aspect of the feminine, the brat, but it's also like the shadow of the inner child. Mm. So when I made those links in the last few years after the training that you and I have done, and when I did so much healing, like the most intense amount of healing that I did around my attachment issues with my parents and like closed that off as much as one can it finally allowed me to like make this had this like epiphany aha drop moment of huh so i'm in partnership with people who actually thrive and love and coax and worship this inner child part of me and this this little girl and this brat then that is so incredibly healing for those parts of me that were always told they were wrong and bad and not okay yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, for people out there, just hearing that might be like, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Like, mm-hmm. you get to take care of me and love me and think those parts are the best. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the goosebumps again. Yeah. 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 Oh, thank you so much for, for sharing that for me and, and for the listeners. Um, and I'm, I'm also hearing, it sounds like the, the inner work that you were doing worked together with, with BDSM because it, it seems like it let you see who, if, if BDSM is the stage, the inner work was like, who gets to come out and play and how, you know, how can I absolutely combine the pleasure with the healing? And, and let these parts of me just come out, like you said, and be, be adored and held and, and have a fabulous time, you know, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And also at the end of that, I get to go back to being a dominant, badass, boss ass bitch, you know, like, and just be like, and I get to be an intersectional feminist and I still have those parts of me and all of that is a part of me. And that's okay. You know, that I get to be the whole and the complexity of all my parts. And that's kind of my biggest source of like joy and motivation and drive that I want to impart and um, show and give to anybody who's working with me, you know, it's like, yeah. this is possible. All those parts of you being okay and being allowed to thrive is where you can get to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. What, what, what an incredible gift you know for for anyone to receive and what an incredible effect this will have on our communities and our societies to have have us be able to embrace these parts and get these treasures 
you know, uh, get the, let the treasure shine that we've been been hiding away because we didn't know that it was, you know, it was in fact treasure. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Beautiful. Um, I think prob probably the last question, let's see, you, you shared about two different levels so far and you mentioned there were three. Yeah. So I would love to know what is level three because we've already had some great things coming up. What would, what would level three of this yeah. process look like? Yeah. So level three is the most advanced and some people might not be into it. And there are times where it's not appropriate depending on the taboo or depending on the situation. And it's not for everyone and that's totally fine. So this, this aspect or this level is about turning that source of shame or wounding into a source of turn on. So it's about turning it into orgasmic energy. It's about turning it into pleasure. And again, this is something that can be done by yourself and it's something that can be done in couple down. So for instance, by yourself, there are tantric practices that you can do. I kind of mentioned it slightly like a, I mentioned it in level two, the kind of more PG version of it. This would be like a next level version of it where you feel the fear that you're afraid of feeling, or you feel the anger, or you feel whatever it is that you have the shame or the wounding about. And then you allow arousal to come up in your body as well. And you allow them to both be in your system at the same time. Eventually, you will make associations between them that you can alchemize one to the other. And this is how people can have things like fear-gasms or anger-gasms or joy-gasms, depending on whatever it is. They, they like whatever emotion, this is in the context of emotions, whatever emotion they feel shame around feeling. Um, yeah, so that's one of the ways that you could do it solo. Uh, you could definitely do that uh, in coupledom, either through kink or through non-kink, more like tantric ways or yogic ways in which you're sitting in front of each other. And the same process is what I just described that you'd be doing solo, but you'd be doing in front of somebody that you're sitting in with to do this practice with. It doesn't have to be, so it can be your uh, practice partner. It doesn't have to be your romantic partner. It can be somebody who can hold space for you. It can even be your coach. So you would bring up in your body, in your mind, in your heart, the thing, the thing that you're feeling ashamed about, whatever the booth is, and you just kind of let it radiate throughout your whole system. Just let it get louder and louder and notice what's happening in your heart. And is it closed or is it open? Are my protective mechanisms coming up at the same time? Am I getting defensive? Am I like curling up? Am I wanting to run away? Am I wanting to fight? And all of those things are completely normal because that's what we have done to protect ourselves and keep safe. So if we're noticing any of those things, it's like, okay, what do I need to give myself? Do I need to give myself more safety so that the heart can open while this feeling comes up? Like if I'm dealing with the emotion of anger or if I'm dealing with shame around my sexuality, whatever it is, that I can still have that there and keep my heart open, keep my heart open. And also noticing how that's tracking with the person in front of you and what impulses that brings up for them, depending on whether your heart's open or closed. So that's the second step. And then the final step, again, like the third level, the more advanced is bringing in pleasure and yearning alongside this shame or this fear or this anger. 
and noticing what that does for you and what that does for the person in front of you and how beautiful, because it is, it's so beautiful and sacred to receive somebody who's in their full vulnerability and has mixed pleasure and yearning into that kind of, I don't know, I want to say like martini glass or like um, that bowl. Yeah, the bowl that is them. And um, the impulses that that evokes from the person that's sitting in front of you are just so vastly different to one another. And usually the last one just brings up feelings of like love and protection and just wanting to like, yeah, adore and worship that person even more for gifting them with that, but also for like, just being so delicious in their vulnerability. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's touching <laughs> to um, think about that sort of vulnerability, you know, and, and empowerment um, taking place at the same time. So uh, thank you so much. B, you have so much to offer and thank you for everything. Oh, just all the, these like golden, and nuggets that you shared with us throughout throughout this interview. So I am sure that the people watching or listening are wanting to know more. So let us know um, how can we connect with you. What um, what are the different offerings that we um, or that that you have so that we could work with you and and learn more? Sure. So the easiest way to connect with me is by finding and following me on Instagram. My handle is at it's B river. So that's I T S and then B E E R I V E R. Uh, in terms of offerings, the first thing that I have coming up, I haven't actually set a date yet is a virtual workshop and it's called the sacred brat. So it's for people who want to meet or connect with or heal the brat archetype within them all genders you do not have to be kinky because we all have a brat within us whether we're into bdsm or not uh so yeah that's a three-hour workshop online so it'll be on zoom uh, which is perfect for these times especially yes. and the one-on-one -on -one, so the one-on-one -on -one coaching program i have coming up is called the labyrinth and that's looking like a 12 week maybe a bonus week, 13, 12 to 13 weeks where you get to work one-on-one -on -one with me. And it's actually very, very parallel to what we've just been talking about. So it's a person going into their own labyrinth, into their own um, depths and their own kind of unraveling their shadow and their underworld and seeing what gifts and what gems and what treasure at the bottom there that they can actually find transform and alchemize and what they come back up to the surface surface with um who they come back up as and how they come back in terms of how they're living their life yeah that's what i've got at the moment i think there's other stuff but it's just kind of like brewing <laughs> brewing yeah. and being creative yeah mm, sounds absolutely fabulous and we will we will um put all of this in the show notes so it's nice and easy for everyone to find you on instagram and any other ways to connect so the thank you so much for what uh what you've shared today and also the beautiful work that you are doing out there in the world thanks thank again you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So
Thank you for joining. Um, I'm Kimberly Phoenix. Thank you for joining B River and I today on Sexpert Talks. And we'll see you next time.